0: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Mumbrella Cast, a discussion of everything under Australia's media and marketing umbrella. I'm your host and editor of Mumbrella, Neil Griffiths, joined as always by the fearless leader, Mr. Adam Lang. Adam, thanks for coming on. My pleasure, Neil. And we're also joined today by Mumbrella's deputy editor, and I guess guest contributor to the podcast, Mr Nathan Jolie. Nate, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's it's a very big morning. (laughs) For some reason, always usually is the case when we record the Mumbrella cast. Um, We'll kick it straight off, gentlemen. The news came through this morning. Woolworths CEO Brad Banducci is resigning. He will be officially leaving at the end of August. Um, before we get into the hows, the whats, the wheres, the whys, Adam, your thoughts straight off the bat.
1: A very unusual end to what's been a twelve-year-plus career with the group. I thought, and the timeline feels a little unexpected. And just going back to, if you look at the last month, what you would have said, say two months ago, as we ended twenty twenty-three, is that this CEO's done a good job. And that's still the case, I believe. Uh, Then we had the Australia Day issue where they did not stock Australia Day items and that became a public story, not a great story. And then we had the ABC Four Corners interview and that now infamous footage of him leaving the interview, seemingly frustrated. So it hasn't really gone according to script, so far, but a seemingly ignominious end to what has been a good career.
0: So we got this story this morning, or Nathan, rather, you wrote the story. Um, you know, you and I were there covering all the Australia Day noise when it was happening in early Jan. Um, Brad Banducci kind of went on a little press tour. He was on the Today Show. He did a bunch of radio interviews to try and clear up the air that, you know, this wasn't a political stunt. This was purely a sales thing. Then, as Adam said there, the Four Corners interview that happened, I believe, on Monday night. Do you want to walk everyone through that particular interview for those who have yet to jump on TikTok and see what
2: it's all about? Sure. He was talking about the price gouging thing. Obviously, the thing was on everyone's lips, or at least should have been on everyone's lips until he just melted down on Four Corners. So, the, they were talking about Rod Sims, the former ACCC chairman. And basically, Ben Duque was talking about how he doesn't know what's going on. And then he interrupted, he's retired by the way. Mm-hmm. And then when the point was made that he retired less than two years ago, he went, okay, well, can we take that out? Is that okay? These are direct quotes, by the way. I mean, <laughs> he's retired, but I shouldn't have said that. Angus, are we gonna leave that in there? And then he was told it's on record because that's how television works and you've been doing this for years and years. He stood up and walked out and then was coaxed back into the interview, which was the part that they're at pains to tell us, well, those hmm. PR people, they, they wanted us to know that he went back in and finished the interview. So,
0: this kind of started doing the rounds, that particular clip started doing the rounds on probably Monday morning. Again, you can jump on social media. it's It's there to watch. Um,
2: The Four Corners. Yeah. Everywhere. They were really, really big on pushing that, weren't they? And then the Four Corners interview aired on Monday night. And
0: then I think we all kind of thought well, come tomorrow morning, there'll be a big PR circus. Maybe Brad's again is doing the press tour to clear things up. Radio silence. Um, we thought something has got to happen here. They can't possibly over this, again, considering the fact that the Senate inquiry, which we're led to believe is happening by the end of the first quarter of 2024, so really the end of next month. Then this morning the news happens that Brad has officially resigned. He will be replaced in September by the current head of loyalty and e-commerce, Amanda Bardwell. Um, Adam, your thoughts, though, in the, in the last 48 hours, I and mean, we actually were... In the in our news meeting having a chat and you hadn't seen the clip yet and you said what are you talking about and i said i haven't seen a clip and you said no i haven't seen a clip and i showed you the clip and you went oh my god look at this clip what was your reaction and the fact that i guess let's go back 24 hours to we're in the newsroom on tuesday and there is yet to be any response by woolworths it almost felt very reminiscent of the the recent optus crisis when we just weren't getting any updates
1: Yeah, I was gobsmacked when I saw the footage. I think you all saw me as my mouth fell open as I watched it, right? It was, oh, my God, this is bad. These interviews, you expect the CEO of Woolworths to have been well-drilled going into it. You know, these communications teams, professionals, which they are at Woolworths, would have likely war game this with him. This is the sort of interview you can expect. How about we rehearse some questions yeah, you know, all of those sorts of things so that you are practiced and when you go into that forum you're ready, that did not appear to have happened, or if it did, it did not work because Brad Banducci appeared to lose his cool in that interview, and that's not a good sign. Now, this is someone who is due to be in front of the Senate inquiry soon. So, you know, under that very fierce spotlight, this should have been within range to handle and handle well. And I think Leo Werkert from Coles, same sort of interview, same setup. You can almost contrast the two in in how well each of them were done. One of them's resulted in a retirement, and another one's resulted in nothing, yeah, you know, nothing to see here. So, yeah, you know, just watching that footage it was hard to watch. you know, I wondered if he was okay because he certainly looked under pressure, and I, I said that at the time. Um, then I was a bit mystified by why is everyone else so quiet. Now, I understand not wanting to promote the ABC story for them but it didn't get a lot of coverage, right? And so we were talking about that going, that's interesting too. And now, of course, we get the announcement. Now, it's very normal and I think good governance for that board to have a succession plan in place and to be able to announce that now. It just doesn't seem like this was the timing of their choosing. You know, Mm. from the outside looking in, it's hard to accept that a coincidental appearance on the ABC brought this forward to a Wednesday, or didn't bring this forward to a Wednesday morning. So whatever's the case, Brad Banducci is still there. He is retiring. He's handing over to a successor, an internal successor. Uh, There's a Senate inquiry to come. So there's more to play out in terms of the actual story. But in terms of the leadership, it's a really interesting exercise to see. As we record this, and this is all of
0: 30 to 40 minutes old now, there's been a new update to the story, and that is that Woolworths uh, have denied that this Four Corners interview has anything to do with the decision for Brad to be stepping down. So, on a call this morning for Woolworths' financial results, on a media call, Woolworths' group chair, Scott Perkins, said that this process has actually been in the works for some time. Uh, So, he, he actually said on the call, this process began in the middle of 2023, uh, and the potential candidates were being interviewed in the back end of last year. Uh, and when there were some questions about suggestions that did this interview or recent events, such as the Australia Day backlash, did that have anything to do with Brad stepping down? Perkins said, quote, I can be absolutely emphatic on that point. This process has been in train. There was no change to the timetable, no expedition at all. We land today where we thought we were going to land. Able to announce CEO succession with these interim results. Adam break that down for us.
1: (laughs) Well, all can be true. I would just add the context that the ABC interview did happen and it could be a coincidence and leave it at that.
2: Could I say that if this was in play, Mm. the ABC interview was a terrible thing that happened at the last minute, that then surely they should have gone, maybe we don't announce this now because it seems like it's based on the Four Corners interview. And we all know it's not because we've had this plan in place for like six to eight months. So with that in mind, maybe we wait a fortnight and then announce it. Like they left no room between the Four Corners interview and this announcement. Mm. What are people going to think? And if it's not linked, then it seems like it's linked. So it's terrible PR in that way. Well, again, as I mentioned before,
0: well, was, has told Mumbrella today that Brad, despite his resignation, will still be fronting the Senate inquiry, which again, we're led to believe is going to be by the end of the first quarter of 2024. Uh, Adam, how do you see this playing out?
1: Look, in, in a way, I hope it's a chance for some redemption uh, because his public image has certainly had a hard time in the last six weeks. And so you hope that he can steal himself. There's no question he has all the information. You know, he's been with the company for 12 odd years and been in the CEO role role for some time. So he should have all the information he needs to answer those questions under pressure and answer them well. I think it would be terrific for him to do that and do it well. You know, I think that would be a much better way of enhancing his his public image before he finishes the role than, than where he is right now. But of course, he has to be in the right shape to do that. It'd be also interesting to see if his successor comes along with him and participates to some degree. So a really interesting choice and one to watch.
0: And Amanda Bardwell, you know, she doesn't really have to come in until September. Um, to your point, it will be interesting to see if she does come to that inquiry. Um, probably a good buffer of time between now and then for her to kind of get everything in a row and and get things
2: moving again for words, I imagine. Well, just before this recording, I was speaking to a PR crisis comms expert who i won't name because we weren't talking on the record but he was saying it would be a bad move to bring her in while this is going on because she would have the stench of the past kind of you know whatever whatever comes out will be like the first public like the debut of her so to speak so with that in mind maybe they will want a clear cut and then bring her in september and she can do the rebuilding and the trust exercise her role at the moment is to do with kind of customer joy, so to speak. To that point, um,
1: Nathan, I think it'll be really interesting to see how the brand evolves through this CEO transition too. So, everyday low prices—you know that—that that has been synonymous with Woolworths for some time, and so I don't know that we should expect a change, but no doubt there will be some influence from a new a new CEO. As to how that brand is going to articulate itself to market. Well,
0: no doubt there will be many more updates about this uh, over the next week and coming months as we get to the Senate inquiry. Again, check out mumbrella.com.au for the full coverage of the Woolworths Brad Bandushki saga. Stay where you are, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Mumbrella cast with myself, Neil Griffiths, Adam Lang, and Nathan Jolly. Nath, I'm going to let you lead this segment because you sat down with one Professor Mark Ritson at last week's Herd Conference, of course, the CRA's uh, annual Herd Conference. Uh, It was held at the Ivy in Sydney. I was there for a little bit of it and you were there for a little bit of it. And you spoke to Mark Ritson, who was really, at least from my perspective, the person that everyone
2: was talking about post-event. Did you get the same vibe? Yeah, absolutely. He was by far like... He ended it with a bang. He told me like afterwards, so his whole premise was that basically if you add just a little bit of radio into your marketing budget and the number that he worked out was 11%. So if you allocate 11% of your marketing budget overall to radio, the effectiveness of the entire campaign will double. And he did this by going through all these Effie Award nominations, like basically anyone that's put their thing forward I think since 2018, he said, but he had like some decent data and analyzed all those and found that the ones that, well, the ones that had radio compared to the ones that had no radio, immediately we had 13% on average better results. It's all it's all to do with this um, excess share of voice thing, which is way too complicated to get into. <laughs> Read the article on Umbrella where it's all explained on there. But he was saying that When he pitched the idea to CRA, he was a bit surprised because the whole premise is radio is the sidekick. It's not the main player. It's not where your main budget should be going. And for him to, he's at a conference that's trying to sell radio advertising, and he's basically going, look, you don't really need to focus on it. Have some. Like that, He thought that would be a tough sell, but he was surprised at how well it went across. And I think it is because radio, as he says many times, they're not flashy they're not trying to be like a big digital campaign they're not trying to take lead but people listen to radio and they absorb it in a more subconscious way and so even if they like use the example of uber eats campaign how if you think about the uber eats campaign no one's thinking about the radio spots yet the radio spots were there and were frequent and did drive the success of that campaign
0: Mm. And you mentioned there, Nate, you can read the article on mumbrella.com.au right now, and we will actually share some audio from that in a second. But Adam, I just want to come to you for a minute because given your, you know, amateur background as the former head of Macquarie Media and radio, what what's your opinion on, you know, the the eleven percent in radio advertising? Has this been is this a new discovery? Has this been something that you've kind of heard about for
1: some time? I think the premise as in it's a val- audio is a valid part of your marketing mix, has been around for a long time. And I'm a audio enthusiast. You know, used to work in radio, now work in digital audio podcasting as you do, Neil, and as we do here at Mumbrella. It, you know, I'm an enthusiast for audio. And so I'm also a fan of Ritson, right? So this is a very dangerous spot to, <laughs> to be in. Then I am a fan of the medium and a fan of Professor Mark Ritson. He is a very forceful protagonist, right? He's he's smart, he does his research, he's very articulate and compelling on stage. And so, Nathan, I think you've covered the content really well in the article. Excess share of voices explained there, dating back to the nineteen nineties, I think, with yeah, 1990 academic 1990. John Philip Jones, as my reading of your article yeah.
2: tells me. He was the Led Zeppelin bassist, was he? (laughs) (laughs) Stop all jokes, I think. But (laughs) moving back to the lovely world of
1: academic and marketing research, excess share of voice, that great principle that, hey, if you've got a bunch of players in the market and they all advertise equally, then they'll tend to find their equilibrium point in terms of their market share. But if you're advertising an excess share of voice, that you can get excess share of market. And so that becomes... Valid return on in investment for, for getting that premium for your product, getting your brand to grow. I think Ritson encapsulated that very well. And then he did this great almost gimmick of it radio being a sidekick, you know, like Batman with Robin, that they frequently do the heavy lifting, but they're a bit more humble about it. So I, I think that's a good uh, and appealing way to think of radio as part of your your marketing mix. Nath, in the conversation
0: you had with Mark, um, he was speaking a little bit about clients who coming with unrealistic or unreasonable expectations of growth, and you shot back with Krispy Kreme being the, the good example of that, and he said that, you know, you understand what he's talking about. Do you want to speak a little bit about that and the Krispy Kreme as the example?
2: Yeah, so he was basically saying, as Adam just explained, like the formula is clear for this kind of, it's basically for every 10% of excess you spend, compared to your market share. So let's just say you've got 10% market share and you're spending 11% of all the advertising within your sector, but you have 10% market share, because you're spending more than the share you're taking up, you will grow, like your sales will grow. And it's like, so for every 10%, you should grow market share by 0.5% annually. And he's saying, that's the thing that's been proven, Marketing science is bullshit, except for this. This one seems sound. And he said, but there's so many clients that will come in, they won't want to spend that much, but they'll still want to grow. And they'll use the example of like Krispy Kreme, where they didn't have to advertise and everyone could, like, they want this kind of viral word of mouth thing. It's like when, do everyone, Facebook started growing big and then suddenly every company was going, okay, so we're just going to make a viral video and it's just going to go <laughs> viral. And it's just like, well, it's not a thing you can just click. It's not an option. Mm. Like, and he's saying that like those kind of unrealistic expectations, like, it's a similar thing.
0: Well, you can read the full feature on you right now. But as promised, here's a little bit of Nathan's conversation with Mark at the Herd conference
2: last week. Check it out. So I was interested to hear that you said you don't really believe in marketing principles, marketing laws. I don't believe in scientific marketing now. Yeah, and why? Why is that? Is it just because it's
3: we 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 forget our history in marketing? So we've been having a debate about whether marketing is science for about fifty years. Yeah, and the recurring answer is no. Actually, science is a lot of marketing, right? Marketing science and the idea that we can have these law-like principles works at a very, very abstract, rough level. ESOV is a good example. But the nature of marketing means it's reflexive. It deals with human behavior. We're not, you know, it's not geology, it's not physics, do you know what I mean? So there are some principles, but they're principles for bending, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think when we chase, and the problem I have more as an educator is when we say scientific marketing marketers freeze up and now think everything has to be so precise and it's clearly not that precise you know I and mean, yeah we have to remember that too so yeah there are certain things i mean the closest i get to a scientific law of marketing is esov yeah i'm less
2: persuaded by other elements of the marketing science literature so is it just that that literally has been proven time and time again to be yeah true. Sure.
3: yeah i mean it's, it's it depends how rigorous you want your science to be right The SOV, I mean, again, the point is when Aaron Burbass published a paper in the Journal of Advertising Research saying, basically, we accept that share of voice, share of market principle. That's a pretty impressive thing because they're not fans of other people's theories. That's a big badge, right? Because they are very, very uh, uh, data-driven. And when they're publishing stuff, supporting it, that's kind of the ultimate yes. yes. Yeah, it's uh, undeniable. It's undeniable. It's undeniable. Yeah, fair one. And, and to be fair, it's been floating around a long time. It's not perfect, obviously, yeah.
2: it's, you know, but none of these laws are. Um, and you mentioned that at the top of that, like, it's not just a straight 45-degree no. shoot-up. And the top, you need less to kind of maintain that monolithic.
3: Yeah, but you, you can do less, is the point. Yeah. You see what I mean? Like, if you're, it varies, obviously, per industry, but... Remember that work that uh, Data Decisions and Paul Dyson does There's a famous lead table. Dyson looks at what are the biggest drivers of advertising's profitability, mm-hmm. and the the biggest one by a country mile is how big is the brands doing the advertising? Yeah, it's a massive unfair advantage, and it's just reflecting that in the curve that if you have a twenty percent share of a market, you don't need twenty percent of the share of voice to maintain it. It can be
2: fifteen percent and you'll be fine. And how low? Could a brand like that take it, like, theoretically, could Coca-Cola just stop advertising?
3: And- not, not 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 forever. I mean, again, Aaron Bass have done good work on what happens. And the short, in the first year, it, it's surprisingly stable, even in fast-moving categories. But within two or three years, things really drop drop off substantially. And the problem is it's another two or three years to rebuild it again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So maintaining it is the answer. But it, each category has a slightly different curve. The, the reality is... Bigger brands, the Unilever brands, the Azure brands, are pretty clear on the level they need to maintain share, remembering that most ad spend for most brands is maintenance. We don't say that enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, Everyone wants to grow, but there's a lot of brands that are quite happy maintaining things as they pretty much are, you know what I mean? And that's where ESOV is very useful. I've used it, my whole career clients who come in with unreasonable, unrealistic expectations of growth. But aren't prepared to invest the money in comms and you say to them it might work out but it's highly unlikely that it will you're not bringing enough money to the table
2: yeah and it's like i suppose Krispy cream is one that they always used to say yeah, they never advertise but you got it but they do now
3: yeah and second yeah i've got a man who calls it all the casino there's always a couple of brands who win the casino of organic below the line uh, uh non-investing, non-invested media, right? And they, they get big organically, right? Yeah. But for every one of them, there's 99 that, that fucked themselves because they didn't invest enough in, in principles like ESOV. We only talk about the ESOV uh, breakers. We don't refer to the other 99 on the line. That was Nathan Jolly
0: talking to Professor Mark Ritson at last week's H.E.R.D. We do have a bunch of coverage from the H.E.R.D. conference last week. Uh, there's a great story from Adam Ferry from Thinkabell who gave a really unique presentation. And fun fact, he will be on the one-on-one podcast series very soon. And there's another story from a panel that featured Aaron Molan, Kate Ritchie, Deborah Knight and Amanda Keller, which is a great read. Again, check it out on the Mumbrella website. But I'm excited to to bring in my favorite segment of the week, as I always am. And even better now, because this is Nathan's first time being a part of this segment. Nathan, sit down. Don't get too excited. It's Adam's
1: other business. A few hits from the data nerd. Uh, The Outdoor Media Association announced results from 2023, 12.2% market growth. Now, we hear a lot about how much challenge is in the market of media. That's an outlier. Uh, that's a big result for out-of-home media. Second is there's a lot of companies reporting their half-year or annual results at the moment, and we're stay tuned. Day by day, we're bringing you those results. Nine's coming up this week, amongst others, seven last week. Also beyond that, we saw that Virgin Airlines another CEOs to depart, Jane Herdlicker, stepping down from Virgin. Now, a couple of things there. Obviously, they have commenced a search for a successor, but there was a mooted public listing of Virgin coming. This will delay that. It's difficult to do a public listing when you haven't got your CEO in place. So I think that search will be one to watch, including how that business is to evolve. Next, and real nerdy here, Reserve Bank board minutes were released, and we all knew that they held interest rates this month in the meeting. So that's good. But what we got... Just yesterday was the minutes, as in the notes of what they said, the board said at this meeting, and it revealed they did talk about the options for raising and lowering rates before deciding to hold them. So clearly, this analysis is not over. It's not a foregone conclusion. My personal hope and opinion is that we might see a drop in interest rates in the second half of the year. And next is unemployment. Like for all of us who've got jobs you know our well-being is impacted positively. We've got something to do, hopefully really productive and to keep us mentally, physically and financially well. Uh, the unemployment data came out last week just after we released the M umbrella cast. Unemployment increased to 4.1%. Now, that's not a big increase. Arguably, it's also some good news because this is what the Reserve Bank expected when they lifted interest rates, that unfortunately some people will probably need to lose their jobs for the heat to come out of the economy. And so it's not actually all bad news even to see the unemployment rate go up. And at 4.1%, historically, that's still very, very low. So it's actually pretty good news still too. And that's it for Adam's Other Business, Neil. Before we wrap this episode
0: up, we just want to remind everyone that the entries for the Mumbrella Awards are officially open. The, the first deadline for the awards is Friday, April 5th. Then the final entry deadline is one week later on April 12th. Check out mumbrella.com.au forward slash mumbrella awards for that. And also the full program from Mumbrella CommsCon 2024 has been announced, while the shortlist for the CommsCon awards have also been announced. You can check that out at mumbrella.com.au forward slash Comscon. Adam, we had a massive response and obviously a very happy response from the people who have been shortlisted
1: yeah it's great we see so many nominations come in it is really difficult to whittle those down to the shortlisted nominations so thank you very much to everyone who put the effort in uh, to apply for the awards and to those who are shortlisted congratulations on getting this far and good luck
0: that's all the time we've got for today thank you for joining me as always adam thank you neil and nathan thank you as always for popping by we'll see you in two to four episodes let's say that yeah sounds good thank you guys and this is the mumbrella cast remember to hit follow and head along to mumbrella.com.au for more info on everything we've talked about today we'll see you next week
2: podcast edit by abes audio